Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying the sunshine, I'll tell you that. Yeah? It's been nice the last few days. What about yourself? I would agree with that. I think we've got a, a little bit of a little bit of rain coming tomorrow, or maybe tonight, based on uh, what I looked at. But otherwise, it's it's been nice. And you know what? I'm okay with that rain. I think when we have you know a week of, of nice weather, it's nice to have that little bit of cool off that happens once every you know every few days. Yeah, keep the dust down on my gravel road. That's about the only benefit I see. The grass is growing crazy regardless of the rain. So I agree I'm okay with, with just having straight uh, sunshine. That's that's been really nice. Yeah, it's been it's been good. Speaking of, had a couple opportunities to get out and ride over the last few days. That's been nice. I uh, we had a a what is it a social distancing group ride here uh, last Friday. Uh, at our at our office, we're lucky enough to get fri- Good Friday off, so uh, we all took advantage of that and rode up into the hills. But uh, yeah, it was nice to get out and enjoy some of that sunshine, get some some good riding in, some good twisties, and, and a little bit of uh, high speed straights down the highway, and really a good mix of everything in the ride. Yeah, did you guys see many other bikes on the road? We saw quite a few. Yeah, we so we ended up going up. I know anyone in the Northwest know what we're talking about, but Ended up going kind of the long way on the way there. Took every every good twisty road we could find, but went up Clickitat, uh, went up basically the Clickitat to Clickitat, Washington. Uh, kind of rode up the river there and then up around uh, and back down through uh, through that whole area. But uh, ran into a number of bikes. In fact, had uh, had kind of somebody join us that caused for some extra excitement. Ooh. Good rider end up uh, just blowing you guys away. Just well, yeah, but not necessarily in a good way. Okay. Yeah, we, we were a little blown away, a little, a little put off by by how uh, how extreme this person was. But no, we actually ended up having somebody join us, and uh, and unfortunately had them go down on a corner. So oh, wow, it was uh, a pretty. I don't know, humbling might be the right word. There's a lot of words that fit in this conversation, but humbling, good learning experience, um, you know, a, a very interesting experience because there's good and bad involved, obviously. Um, but I guess before we get too far, I'll have to state that uh, obviously he got up from the wreck, was totally fine, but the bike was, I mean, it, we found out later the bike was totaled by insurance, but that was pretty clear when we saw the bike tumble into the rocks. Well, I know insurance will do, um, will total motorcycles pretty easily from what I've seen and, and read, at least I haven't had that, uh, experience fortunately, but, uh, most importantly, the, the rider was okay. So, so did you see it happen? I mean, what, what was going on? Was he showboating or what happened? So I guess a lot of details involved here. We kind of had had the ride plan for uh, a week, week and a half. Uh, we've kind of been talking about getting out and making sure everybody packs a lunch so we can all eat, you know, at least six feet away from each other, and and just kind of planning out a ride that that meets the requirements as well as just safe and smart for all of us. 
um, and then that we could uh, have a good time kind of planning that route. And I, we, we all, not we all, a couple of us were talking about bringing some new riders, some some friends that, that had a little bit less experience than kind of the core group. But uh, that was kind of extended out. We had a couple of newer riders, or maybe newer is probably not the right word. They might have, they probably have more years on the bike than I do, but less experienced riders um, come with us. Uh, they, of course, you know, we talked to everybody before we left and kind of had the whole powwow of ride within your speed where, you know, we're not going to get to a stop sign and then burn off to the next section. If, if we're hitting corners, you know, at the speed limit when they're slowed down corners and you're not comfortable, slow down to wherever you're comfortable and we'll wait for you at the next stop or turn or, or whatever comes up. So we had that discussion. Um, didn't really have a problem with any of them, but about, I don't know, halfway through at least, that first portion, well, it was supposed to be just the first portion due to these unforeseen circumstances was really the only portion of the ride. Um, but halfway through that first portion, we uh, kind of were stopping for lunch, everybody eating their own, on top of their own bike, separated out, and, and a, a gentleman wanted to join us. So uh, a couple of guys in the group kind of said, yeah, you know, well, you feel free to, to follow where we're going. It wasn't necessarily part of the group, but, you know, invited to, to follow along in, in the route. Right, we're um, all about community, so that makes sense. Getting people yep, involved, no, no problems there. And and realistically, I mean, so yeah. Then we went down, down a little further off fourteen, took the Click Attack Canyon up, and that's kind of where everything happened there. But going up the canyon at that point, he really wasn't even the last person in line. We had a couple of, I guess, one person in our group that was running a little bit slower, um, just due to being uncomfortable on the corners. Uh, So he had passed that person and was just kind of running from what I could tell, basically his own, his own speed. I think he was trying to keep up with the guy in front of him a little bit, but I don't know that it was necessarily a matter of, of, you know, showboating or really getting crazy. Um, Unfortunately, I was kind of towards the front of the group. uh, And I know listeners that have listened for a while, know uh, no Dennis, but he and I, and a couple other guys were, towards the front and cruising up the canyon so we didn't see any of this happen and so i i didn't see it necessarily firsthand but heard plenty of stories from the crew uh of what happened but uh yeah daryl who listeners will also know was kind of a was the next bike up and saw more or less through his rearview mirror the the events occur um and basically what it sounds like is he's coming through the corner probably hotter than he should have been uh, based on his writing skill. Granted, we didn't know that uh, going into it, but um, going a little bit faster than he should have and then hit, uh, I mean, a mix, I don't know, what's, whatever's between a boulder and a rock, hit about a, a baseball-sized rock in the road. Um, and then his tire kind of popped up on that. And instead of following through with the corner and, and looking to where he was going, at that point, it freaked him out, and he looked for a place to crash, found kind of the, the softest spot on the side of the road, and of course, straightened the bike up, locked up the brakes, and went straight to that spot that he was looking at. You know, fixated on that spot, ended up in that spot. So, um, Jeez. you know, kind of an unfortunate situation, but but a lot can be learned from it. And I think that's, as we get into this conversation today, that's what I want to talk about is crashing. Why does it happen? How can we avoid it? How can we learn to emotionally deal with it? Uh, there's a, a large spectrum on this, we know, but uh, we'll get into it deeper. 
but yeah, the really good thing I saw from that was, uh, you know, as a crew, obviously anyone behind him stopped when they saw that something happened. Daryl flipped around, person in front of him noticed there was no one behind them after a few minutes turned around. And it kind of went up the loop where we were only a couple miles up by the time the last person, we had a group of eight, so a pretty good group. By the time the last person in the group noticed nobody was behind them anymore, we all ended up turning around and coming back and helping where nobody, you know, ended up too far out or too far gone to come back and, and really be part of the support crew and, and stick with the group. So I think our, our ride etiquette was really impressive uh, to the point to where, you know, when we all got to where he had wrecked, uh, you know, everybody was there. Everybody ended up back at that spot and we were all able to help and, and be at the very least emotional support, uh, tape up some, some hurt fingers and, and kind of the basic injuries that he had kind of help out a little bit there and then wait with him why, while a tow truck came to, uh, to pick up the bike and, and take him back to town. Oh, geez. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I know that we're pretty fortunate and blessed to have the group that, uh, we go out with, um, I know that you've gone out with them a lot more, especially with my bike uh, still being down, but I'm glad to hear that you guys were able to go there, that he was okay uh, for the most part. Uh, I'd be a little bummed out. It looked like a pretty nice little Ducati in the photo that you had sent me um, over the weekend. So, yeah, a little, a little unfortunate. I'm sure he was pretty shook up, though. It seemed to be in pretty decent spirits considering the circumstances. Yeah, it seemed to be all right. Um, definitely, obviously, uh, you know, it, it threw him off a little bit. He was shaking off some soreness, and I, I can only imagine the next day waking up how sore he'd be. Um, but really, he handled it pretty well, kind of got off, was, you know, uh, I mean, might as well, we're, we're skirting around it so much, might as well get into the conversation. But really what I got from talking to him after the fact is, is really a, a number of things I think we all could do to uh to maybe not avoid wrecks or crashes entirely because i think accidents do happen but to better prepare ourselves for those moments where they could happen and we very likely could avoid them um because there a lot of it was just a lack of understanding of what to do in that situation um he was not familiar with you know leaning harder into that corner or that he just needed to continue on maybe a little lack of trust in the tires um, but really, a couple of things came up in, in that conversation, at least in my mind, that they really could have avoided that situation where he could have rode through the issue and, you know, none of that would have happened. So, uh, I mean, we might as well get into it, but, um, you know, he was he was in pretty good spirits. He was, I don't know if happy is the right word, but he was, he was fine, um, wasn't, you know, broke down or or, you know, overly emotional or upset, I'm sure. Once the bike got totaled out, obviously, when it comes to getting another bike, that makes that decision a little bit easier because the insurance will, will help cover that as long as he's got full coverage. Right. Um, but, you know, I and he walked away, really, he had a, a skinned up knee from hitting some rocks. Um, basically, the bike wiped out into, I mean, it wasn't really a ditch, into the little divot on the side of the road. He kind of bailed on it. Um, I don't, it didn't really throw him off the bike, but he bailed on the bike and kind of landed in the rocks. And then, uh, the bike kind of tumbled into those same rocks really, really heavily on the left side of the bike. Um, the pictures are pretty, pretty crunched on the left. The right really doesn't look that bad at all. Um, but you know, he ended up with a scuffed shoulder, 
his jacket was pretty scuffed up. He had a pretty good um, hit on his helmet where he, his helmet had hit some of the rocks. And then his, uh, his pants on that same side that hit on his right side had a, had a good tear. So really the only thing he wasn't wearing that was ready for at least a crash of this sorts uh, were, were just jeans is really what he was wearing. And so they got torn up and he was a little, little cut up on his knee um, from that hit. Right. But, you know, he really, for what it was, where he was, I mean, it was really a rock wall with a lot of boulders that had fallen off. I mean, it, it could have been significantly worse. So quite lucky yeah. to, to walk away. Yeah, I mean, there's only one way to really avoid not uh, having a motorcycle wreck, and that's uh, to not ride a motorcycle. But uh, that that's not that's not an option for us. I, I know that's the case. Uh, but I mean, the first issue that I caught um, in your story was that he was starting to look for a place to crash. That was his plan was to crash. And I think that was maybe the biggest mistake. I, I don't know. Maybe you can, you, you can shed some more light on what your opinion is on that. But I think that the intent is to not crash, right? And to ride through the corner, as you've suggested. So, I mean, what, what are some of the things that, that come to mind for you that would be good suggestions for our listeners? I think that's a, a really good place to start. Um, you know, as we talk about riding skills, looking where you're going or where you want to be going or where you want right. to go. Uh, I guess those are all, those all can be kind of different phrases depending on the conversation that you're having, but looking where you want to go um, is a huge point to your point, Brad, that, uh, you know, you want to be able to, you know, if you're locking up the brakes, coming to a hard stop due to something going on, if you're looking down at the car you you're trying to avoid or over at, something or whatever it is then you're likely to kind of swerve that way even though you're trying to stop in a straight direction you kind of want to look straight ahead you want to look far ahead fixate on something straight ahead far into the you know similar to when you get your license i don't know how many people did this when they took their driver's license or driver's ed or conversation with their folks when they got their driver's license in a car but if you're skidding you want to look straight ahead to keep the car straight as you look side to side, you end up going wherever you look. So same thing in a bike, right? If you're stopping or trying to stop, you're going to stop in the direction that you're looking. If you're riding, you're going to err in the direction that you're looking. So to have no error in that direction, you want to look the direction you want to go. Therefore, even if something goes wrong a little bit, you're still going towards the direction you want to be. You're not now erring towards another side. I, I'm sure we've all seen that when driving or riding. If we look over at something in the scenery, you know, our, our vehicle migrates a little bit that direction sometimes because right. we're just kind of going in that direction that we're looking. Uh, and so in this situation, very specifically, yeah, that's one thing I noticed that is, you know, I've, I've hit rocks, I've hit gravel, I've hit things in the road. But if you're looking through the corner, that's one of the big things you learn in driver's courses and rider's courses um, whether it's through the Motorcycle Safety Foundation or Team Oregon or whoever you've taken your course through, whether it's a beginner or advanced course, that's one of the big things they point to is when you're going through the corner, look through the end of the corner. Look to where you want to be at the end of that corner. Um, and, I, you know, I've hit these things before in a corner to where, you know, your back tire skips out a little bit and it is very unnerving. I'm not going to say that it's a, a comfortable, happy feeling. When your back tire picks up in a corner, it, it doesn't make you comfortable. But if you're looking to where you want to go, you know, it lands back on the street. It's got plenty of rubber. It's still a back tire. It still has grip. 
Right. You know, it catches the ground and you just keep going the direction you were going. You just kicked out, you know, for less than an inch, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to his credit, he did. It sounds like he looked to where he was wanting to go. It just unfortunately was to a soft quote unquote spot uh, on the side <laughs> of the road. Right. And so the big thing is, is you want to, you want to keep pushing through the corner. The last thing you want to do is. Uh, immediately stand the bike up and go into the ditch. I mean, I think that we'd all rather uh, low side it and have the bike slide out from under us and into something as we're coming to a stop if we can't make it around the corner and the back tire like craps out entirely, right? To, to, to your point of, I mean, it is a rear tire, but there there is certain circumstances where it could get even worse. And uh, I know that in dirt, that, that might even be more so of a case if you continue to rip on it, it's going to keep going, right? Especially if you're leaned over pretty hard. But but yes, to continue looking through your corner and try to ride through it, those bikes, in a lot of instances, and this may not apply to, to some cruisers, but they can lean a lot farther than what we are usually comfortable with going, right? So you can really correct a corner and pull into it harder like if you end up going a little fast into a corner i know that he had a rock in his way or that he hit but uh we've heard a lot of stories in the past of people riding uh too quick or coming in too hot into a corner and then kind of giving up in the corner and standing the bike up and going into a railing or a ditch or whatever it may be but they can actually lean pretty hard so I think that's uh, something that people, you don't have that running through your mind, though. You have to kind of practice these scenarios of what am I going to do in this kind of a circumstance? I think that's a, a really good segue into one of the, the other main points I had on this that, that I think that was an issue within this wreck is trusting your bike. And that's both the lean angle and the grip on those tires. Yeah. Um, you know, to your point, when you're coming into a corner or when you're hitting the brakes or, you know, even off-road riding when you're going into corners or riding hard. Uh, it's really surprising sometimes when you kind of hit the limits of a tire, how far past your comfortability that limit really was. Um, you know, off-road, I've hit that limit, hitting the corner too hard and had the bike slide out. And I mean, I was pushing it really hard. Yeah. Um, prior to that, it was amazing how much grip I was getting in uneven, rocky, gravelly situations on the dirt bike before the the bike low-sided on me. Um, and finally, I hit a corner just, you know, I was getting too comfortable hitting that extreme to where it finally gave up on me and I went down. But on the street, with even surfaces, with, with roads, the grip that we've got on those tires is pretty amazing. Uh, motorcycle tires, they're expensive for a reason. Granted, I still argue they're maybe a little too expensive, but they are designed and engineered to stick to that road. And they do very well, especially once they're warmed up. And at this moment, you know, we'd been riding for hours. They were warmed up. The bikes were ready to go. Um, you know, even bouncing off of a rock, it's going to grip again and keep going. Um, and then similar to your point, if it bounces and leans a little bit harder, especially on that bike, it was a Ducati monster. It was ready to go. Uh, you know, it's not going to scrape. It's not going to low side at that point. He, the corner wasn't that sharp. Um, it wasn't such that he was already at the very edge of the tire. It would have been fine if he tried to keep push through despite that hit. And so that's, that's another thing that I think will avoid a lot of, a lot of those issues of 
of picking, you know, if we talk about these two items together, right, instead of picking an exit point, continue to look to where you want to go and, and know that, you know, your bike can do more than you think it can. So if you continue to look and just trust that it'll do that, you know, it'll, it will do that. It'll keep going in that path that you're trying to get it to go, even with that little bit of issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Dang, I just can't believe that you guys came across uh, just randomly picked up a, a new rider, well, new to the group, to head out with you guys, and then there was an issue. Uh, that's just crazy, unfortunate, but crazy. And I have to admit, you sent me that photo of the the bike on the side of the road, and I had to do a double take, man. It was the, it's the same color as your your triple. So I look at it and I'm going, what? Oh no, it's a Ducati. That's not Addison's bike because <laughs> it it kind of freaked me out. I mean, it's still unfortunate that somebody, whoever it was, went down. But I thought you had had gone down on your new bike, and I'm going, that's crazy. Well, there goes that, you know, kind of a mentality, but uh, but wild nonetheless. I mean, no, it geez. was it was pretty crazy. I mean, it was, I don't know, like I said, it was kind of a, a mix of emotions that he was humbling and seeing that, you know, that he was okay and not necessarily ruining his day or anything to that effect, um, you know, at least to a an outwardly visible point, right. um, but also just, you know, to remember that that can happen, right? It's, it's kind of humbling to remember that, you know, weird things can happen and we got to be ready for them, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about this stuff here in the podcast today is just... A reminder that you know we need to trust our bike. We need to look where we want to go. These these basic, basic quote unquote advanced skills, right? These are skills that we learn at the beginning, but they're advanced because they're not natural. We have to learn them, and that was kind of my third thing is we have to practice them. Yeah, you know when you hit corners, even if it's you know if you're hitting a ten mile per hour switchback at ten miles per hour, not at a dangerous speed or not really pushing the limits, practice the right mechanics anyway. Look through the corner look all the way to the end where you want to go and practice how that feels so that when you do, you know, hit it later or something goes wrong, even if it's at, you know, the minimum speed, cause the roads are a little slick or whatever, you have the right mechanics of what you're doing to pull you through that. Sure. Um, you know, and to, to that point, I think that that might be the issue here is uh, he wasn't a necessarily a new rider. Um, from what we understood, it wasn't his first bike. Uh, he's had that bike a little while. Uh, it wasn't, like he had, you know, just got his endorsement and went and bought a Ducati Monster. It was more of a, you know, probably an issue where he didn't ride that often. Um, yeah. He knew these skills, had learned them at some point, but hasn't been practicing them to keep them um, fresh and keep them at the front of his head. So as we're riding, we have those those correct mechanics, you know, with leaning on the pegs, looking in the right direction, these things that we should do and we know we should do. If we don't ride enough, then we need to not push our bikes. Yeah, and I know that it doesn't sound like this was the issue and we've ended at it, but uh, know your limits. Know your limits on a bike. If you're going to go out with a group and somebody is in front of you and they're and they're pushing it, you know, no matter where they are and maybe regardless of whether their bike is a better bike than yours, I mean, if it, to, to know that your bike and you as a rider, more importantly, are capable of riding through at this speed and such. That's the most important thing. You get into trouble when you start uh, trying to push it or even if you're not trying to show off, but you're just trying to keep up or whatever the case may be. 
that you have to just keep that mentality. It's easy to get excited, especially on a bike that can really perform like those monsters can, uh, to, to know that, no, I'm just going to enjoy riding. The last thing I want to do is have an issue and who knows what's going to be around the bend. And in his case, it was a rock, right? And, and it just surprised him. So if you're also pushing it and you get surprised, your mind is it's a fight or flight and for him it sounds like it was flight find a place to wreck right and so you don't want to be in that mentality i think that's fair that you need to understand where you're at and and not necessarily even know your limits but be confident with your limits such that you can ride them no matter who you're with i mean that was my point that we had a couple of guys even within our core group for that ride that weren't ahead of you know that were behind him we had guys that that knew their limits and were happy to catch up at the stop sign, right? Right. Yeah. They didn't need straight. to. Yeah, didn't need to outdo it and and put themselves in a in a dangerous situation. Um, and to that point, even you know that's something that we can often avoid is is putting ourselves in that dangerous situation. Not only know your limits, but know your road. And if you don't, don't push your limits, right? Even yeah. if you're an excellent rider, but you don't know that terrain, uh, it's after winter and you haven't been on these mountain hills in a while. There's a good chance there's gravel. You know, it's fall and there's leaves. Yeah. Good chance it's going to be slick. You don't need to go very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that was one of the big things I took away from being there for this. Uh, this last weekend was was really the you know that that although riding fast or riding you know taking corners hard, things like that are, are very fun and add that extra little, you know, excitement or adrenaline or whatever you want to call it, that extra feel of flying really you get on the back, you know, on the side of two wheels, on the, on the top of two wheels. Um, you know, in the end, what's fun is being in the open air on two wheels, no matter what the speed. So, you know, it's not worth going down and having injuries or replacing a bike or the, the extra stress and pain that comes from even a, a small crash isn't really worth it, especially on the street like that. You know, if you want to go, uh, you know, there's, there's places you can ride hard. There, there are legal and uh, condoned safe places where you can really push your limits. Mm-hmm. Out on the streets really isn't that place. No, no. I mean, the, we've talked about track days in the past, and I think it's also a great opportunity for people to get on a track and, uh, kind of push it a little bit, but do it in an area where there's no boulders on the side of the road, no hills, no cliffs, no, not, you know, if you do go down, it's going to suck, but it's not going to be the same type of a scenario as if you're out in the hills somewhere riding through some corners and having oncoming traffic, especially that you're going to have to deal with. So, and then usually with a lot of these uh, um, track days around here, at least, they have training sessions. So you start out in a beginner beginner's group, but it's, I, I believe, a requirement. And you have an instructor that talks through a lot of fundamentals that you aren't used to as a street rider and really helps develop you at, into what your capabilities can be and what the bike is capable of as well. I think it's a, a really good point that, you know, whether it's track days or advanced rider courses or, or whatever, you know, you can go out to a parking lot and you can practice, you can practice looking through your corner, you can set up some cones and, 
and practice, you know, low speed or maneuvers or missing potholes or for this situation, right, avoiding little things uh, in the road. You can you can work on that with friends or on your own with some cones in a parking lot. But right. there are also courses with instructors, whether that be a beginner's track day or an advanced riding course or an intermediate riding course that you can take to really hone those skills and make them more natural. I think that's one of the biggest reasons I, I'm excited for this year's track day is you know, basically solidifying those skills into uh, just natural reaction, right? Because a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily part of what we'd normally do. Um, it's it's counterintuitive when you get into trouble to lean harder, right? To to double down on your situation. Yeah. Um, but in a track day, right, when you're in a corner, maybe a little too hot, that's what you do. You have to double down. You have to kind of train these skills and, and teach your body to, you know, to accept maybe that fear because that's what keeps you from doing super stupid stuff. But it teaches you to trust your bike, to trust that your machine can handle it, that you're going to be okay, that your reaction to that situation of where you're at 80% is to go ahead and go to 90% of what it can do. And it'll yeah. be fine. You haven't broken that 100% yet. You'll be all right. And I, uh, You know, whether it's a course or whether it's a track day, there's a lot to be learned there. I think that's another another big item. I mean, after this occurred, Dennis and I were, were talking a little bit uh, with the group and and I think that was kind of Dennis's comment that really one of three things happens in this situation, right? You go down, your bike gets totaled, you're a little banged up, but you're okay. Really three things happen. Either you give up on riding because you quote unquote had to lay the bike down, right? Yeah. Which we can get into this in a different podcast about kind of the nomenclature of why people go down and what it really means in real life. Um, but you know, you had to lay the bike down, you had to do it. So there's no reason to ride because there's nothing else you can do other than just have to lay the bike down. Right. Um, you know, the, the other option is okay, cool. Let the insurance buy out the bike and then just buy another bike and ride, you know, buy a slower bike and keep riding. Right. A lot of people do that. They'll get into trouble in a sport bike. So suddenly they're, they're Harley people, right. They're going to go a little slower. They're not going to corner hard. They're just going to enjoy the slow speed or at least the, you know, the low end torque. There's still ways to have fun there, but not necessarily the the fast cornering. Well, and for some people, I mean that that may be more enjoyable anyway, or that they need to just they 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 know that they have a hard time with their limits, and some a bike like that will help them keep that in check. Yep. Yep. And there's nothing I know wrong many with people that. that have done smaller bikes or bought smaller bikes just to know that I can't go 160 miles an hour because I know that I'm going to if I have it. Right, and that's a whole other topic as well. But, but it's still, um, you know, at least they understand where they are and what they need to do to to keep themselves at a level that uh, makes sense for them. No, I I agree, and that's kind of the the second thing that a lot of people do in this situation is they'll just buy a bike that's more within, you know, the bike holds their limits rather than them holding their own, which is totally fine. And there's that third group of people that buy the bike back from insurance for a couple hundred dollars, build it into a track bike and, you know, become twice as crazy afterwards because now they've got a project bike. Now they can tear it up and now they can go take this experience, realize they need to go do track days and really get addicted to the sport. So there's kind of those three ranges of people. And, and, you know, obviously there's all kinds of gray area in between each of these ranges. Um, but you know, I, I think that's what we'll see. After talking to him, it sounds like, you know, that he's not done riding. He'll uh, he'll get back on the saddle and, and be good. And, 
you know, my hope is that that's a, that would be an awesome track bike, right? Take that, repair a couple of things that broke and take that out to the track would be an excellent bike for a lot of the tracks, at least here in the Northwest. Yeah, it would be an awesome, it would be awesome. It needed, it needed some love. It would need to be put back together. Need to take some time. Don't want to be like uh, Robbie Bobby and uh, just start riding it around and realize there was shrapnel in the, uh, in the throttle cable and uh, go down full throttle on a back road within a couple hundred feet of your house. But uh, um, just make sure that if you you do go through that process, you do a lot of checks on your bike. I don't know if that's what he's going to do, but I mean, I would be tempted to buy the bike back if it were me and and go through that, whether it be parting it out or putting it back together and just having that uh, track bike. But but it's going to take some time. You want to make sure that it, it is ready because I just went through a pretty pretty serious event. And, and that may be why a lot of insurance companies total out bikes that aren't near as bad as the one that uh, you saw go down. Aftermath. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just the risk of putting somebody back on it. Nobody wants to take that risk on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I I agree with you. It kind of made me think, right, if, if this were mine and I were walking away like he is, I, I would hands down buy my bike back. In fact, I'm, I'm enjoying that triple so much that it would be hard not to put some knobbies on it and really just make it a dual sport and really just go nuts, right? At that point, the damage is done. The bike is, you know, is is totaled literally so you know you've got a bike that you can just go nuts on full creative you know realm you can you can take advantage of that and leave the tank messed up put whatever tank you want on it put a cover over it who cares right it's it's gonna have the scratches dents and dings no matter what you do unless you just you know go all out and replace everything but at that point that's why the bike's totaled because nobody's gonna spend 10 grand on you know factory replacement parts yeah that tank was going to take some work though i'll tell you that yeah, that's what not, I mean. they are not cheap to replace i've looked at some just because you know checking craigslist out and seeing a tank that's got a little bit of damage not near as bad as that one and going well i guess you know you could buy it relatively cheap and buy one of those tanks maybe it'd be worth it and you look it up and they're nine hundred dollars or more and you're going no not worth it now yep but i, I you know i think I think that's a, a fun idea. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, David was a, was a gentleman. We'll see what information we get. I know we're still in contact with him a little bit here, so we'll we'll see what comes out as the future goes on. How quickly he gets another bike, and and we can maybe go out riding with him and and hone those skills a little more before you know before he pushes the limits too far. But uh, I think it's a it was definitely an interesting experience and and one that you know that kind of grounds you a little bit. I think it brought yeah. me back into that safety net realm. Yeah, no, it's always good to, to, to kind of reassess where we're at and be thankful for, for what we have for sure. And, and, and understand the risks that, that we're taking as uh, motorcycle riders. Um, but uh, I think it's awesome that he found a group. I think he was probably blown away that these random people that he saw on the side of the road, eating lunch stuck with him and that the group itself regardless of whether it was him or not, noticed that nobody was with them anymore or that nobody was catching up at that point, turned around and had regathered at that one location. And I think there's a lot of rides that one could go on uh, locally that you just get together and you're not going to have any, if somebody was up in the front, they would have just finished their ride and gone home and found out about it the next time they got together for a ride or through forums or whatever the case was. 
because there's not that community bond that this group has. And I know there's other ones out there that have it, but I think it's really awesome that uh, we've got something like that here through uh, some of the employees that we work with and, and their friends that they have. No, I agree. I think that was kind of my last lesson learned throughout this was, you know, if you ride with good people, you're, you know, you got that little safety net as well. Um, you know, I find that not, no one in this group is really pushing it to be a hooligan, right? No one's looking to do anything stupid, stupid, but it lets you, you know, have a little fun. Cause you know, if something happens, somebody's going to help pick the bike up. If, right. If I need help, somebody's going to help. If a tire blows out, right. I know somebody, if I maybe forgot the right tool or whatever happened, somebody's going to have it. We got a good group that really has a mix of, of knowledge, understanding and, and parts and tools, to where really, even on our longer trips, we've never had a moment where anybody got stranded. We've been able to help everybody that's had a problem. We've been able to work through any issues, whether it be, you know, bike issues or getting a tow truck. I mean, I've been in that situation with the b- bike broke down and had to get a tow truck. It's, you know, and, and I wasn't left there stranded, you know, oh, well, it'll be three hours. Good luck. We'll, uh, we'll catch you on the flip side, right? There's always somebody there that's willing to hang out. Someone else that goes and starts dinner. Just there's such a core group there within our group. We're lucky enough to have that that you're not left alone. You're always riding with buddies. Yeah. Um, do you, you think? Know, so I got a quick know. question for you then regarding that. I mean, do you think? Because this got brought up earlier. I was talking to to a guy out in the shop that had heard about this incident and just happened to be right before we had our conversation today. But is it better to ride by yourself or? to ride with somebody that you don't know? That's debatable. I think if there's good communication and clear boundaries set up from uh, from the setup, the start, right? I wouldn't necessarily tag along with somebody that I haven't had any conversation with unless we're both already going in the same direction. Um, but I think if you've communicated where you want to go, how you want to ride, what the plan is, I think you can easily have that conversation in less than five minutes and ride with a perfect stranger and have a perfectly good ride. Um, for the most part, obviously there's people that just want to do nothing but compete. And uh, like I mentioned on the road, it's not really the time to sit and be competitive. Right. Well, as long as you have your own, your own, um, boundaries, as far as understanding what you're capable of and what you're willing to do on the bike. I mean, somebody else could go wild and if they left you, well, you're back to riding by yourself. I guess the the thing for me that comes to mind is it, it may be good to have somebody there with you, even if they, even if you don't know them. I mean, at least there was somebody there. If, if you were riding with somebody and somebody went down, and you didn't know them, but you you saw it, you're gonna you're gonna stop. You're gonna stop, and you're gonna check that that they're okay. Maybe that's not a hundred percent of the population, but I guarantee it's in the nineties. I bet. 95 to 99% of people would stop and, and check on you and be there for you and, and help you. So, so I guess I get the, the, the hesitation with riding with somebody that you don't know, but I think it, it's safer than just jumping in a car with somebody randomly. That's going to go ride drive it like crazy through the hills. Right. Cause now you're all dependent completely on how they're driving. I agree with you on that. And, and coming from, you know, I, I started in the Jeep world and uh, more, well, really only once it, with actual being stranded. Um, 
you know, I, I've wheeled alone and been stuck and waited, you know, had to wait hours and hours for anyone to come help out, uh, to where there is that certain safety in having someone else nearby that should something happen can help, right. Can make that phone call or get a tow truck or, you know, if, like I said, if you need somebody to, to pick up the back of the bike so you can, you know, roll the tire or whatever it might be, something strange happens that you need another person it's amazing what you can do with two people in a bike uh mm-hmm. you can basically throw that bike on your shoulders and walk off with it if you need to so it uh you know i think there is a certain safety net there as well um and to your point if things don't go well and they're just tearing off then by all means let them <laughs> yeah yeah no, yeah i think for sure i think that's a good point so i you know I, i'm grateful to have the group that we have um, and of course, anyone we find, you know, even on the side of the street here uh, is always welcome to join us on these rides we go on. So it's, uh, you know, it's fun to see that, that we've had some people, uh, you know, come and although it didn't maybe work out ideally there, um, as they kind of rode themselves out of their, out of their comfort zone, or at least out of their skill level, um, you know, they weren't left alone. It was something that we could be there to help help tape up some fingers and then, uh, you know, get, get some gauze for, for a bloody knee and then wait for the tow truck and help load the, the bike onto the back of it. And, you know, make sure that he's not sitting there in his own thoughts for, for two hours waiting for a tow truck. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, that, that can be devastating as well. Sitting there wondering what you did wrong or, or thinking about what you did wrong for two hours without any emotional support is, is rough as well. Having that crew there to talk about it with and, you know, talk about, oh, where can you go from here? It allows that excitement of the sport to, to continue. Yeah, keep you building know. you up and saying, oh, it's this, you're doing good. This is, it's okay. It sucks, but we're here for you. And and it sounds like he was willing to talk about what he had done. And I, I don't know how well he took the the constructive feedback that, that was given, but I'm assuming it went pretty well considering uh, people are still in contact with him. He didn't blow everybody off and and storm away, so that's good. Yeah, I think he understood that you know that maybe it wasn't an entirely controllable situation, but there were things that uh, that could be done, and that was the big recommendation I think we got to him was you know taking a especially with that bike now, right? If he wants to buy that bike back, taking a, a track day beginners course where there's track training and and support and becoming a better rider would be incredibly beneficial. So it was a, uh, you know, all in all pretty good experience. I think uh, obviously could have been better in the end, but the learning curve is much higher when something goes wrong, right? We stretch and grow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if we were fortunate that everybody walked away, there was really no, no severe injuries to anybody except the bike and, uh, you know, everything worked out. So, uh, hopefully we can share some of these lessons and if, at the very least motivate people to go out and practice riding more and, and not push themselves until they're feeling confident in their skills, that it is second nature. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing I see with riders is them pushing themselves to keep up with somebody that maybe that person's got their skills honed and, and you don't. And so practicing and making sure that's natural, that your uh, ability to, to do all, all the important skills of riding are just naturally occurring. I think come in, in very handy um, and could possibly save our lives from there, you know, wearing the right gear. That was the other big thing I noticed, right? If he was wearing riding pants, he would have gotten away with nothing but bumps and bruises. 
um, you know, boots and, and pants and kind of, those are usually the two I see people forgetting are boots and pants. Uh, most people wear a jacket. Jackets are considered generally pretty cool still. Uh, obviously helmets for the most part, at least in the Northwest, basically everybody's wearing their helmet. Um, but you know, uh, wearing all the gear, wearing good riding pants, even in low side situations. I mean, that was the other thing that if he would have low sided or slid on the road, his legs would have been torn up. Yeah. Um, it was almost fortunate that he went into the wall instead of into the ground because those pants wouldn't have lasted half a second on the road. Um, yeah, and so it, it's important to wear the right gear, right? And and you can get comfortable, good gear. It's a little bit more expensive, but for, you know, even moderate prices, you can get perfectly functional gear that's going to protect you and, and possibly save, you know, feet of skin off of your body. No, oh, those are really good points. I appreciate you sharing the story. That's uh wild, but at least you got out, got to go do some riding, uh, got to reflect a little bit, help out somebody. I mean, had he gone on his own, you know, he would have been on his own, right? And so you would have been at the mercy of of random passerbys that uh, may or may not have seen him. You, you, ne- you never know. So uh, pretty wild, but sounds like uh, kind of a fairy tale ending to some extent. He was okay. And regardless of his PPE situation, he uh, sounds like he was pretty well unscathed. So very cool. Turned out okay. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, appreciate uh, everybody that's tagging along during these these crazy COVID times. Um, hope everybody's staying safe, staying smart. Otherwise, we've got uh, a lot of things in the works once this starts to uh, round out and return to normal. Uh, a lot of things in the works for us with regards to additions to the podcast, uh, additions to kind of what we're introducing into the air, into the world. Um really being planned out here. So we're looking forward to that. Look forward to sharing all that. But again, appreciate everybody tagging along. Um, check out our Facebook page, check out Patreon, Slackermoto. Of course, you can always go to slackermoto.com for the latest episodes as well as any other information. And uh, we look forward to talking to everybody next week. Until then, stay safe and ride on. Mm-hmm.